Hey, you're listening to another episode of the CTO Advisor podcast. This is the first recorded session of the year. I know we've published a podcast, but those were in the can. And this is the first one that we're recording for the year. I have a guest that I've been meaning to get on for the past few years, a fellow Tech Field Day delegate and founder and uh, managing partner or, or, or leader of wireless land professionals, Keith Parsons. Another Keith, we'll try not to confuse the audience. How's it going? Okay, I'm the other Keith. So there's there's two of us here. And actually, there's quite a few Keiths in the IT industry. Yeah, there but, is. We interviewed one that's doing some really cool stuff. I should connect you to the Nature Fresh Farms guy that we interviewed at VMware Explore in uh, Spain last year. He's doing some really interesting wireless things. He has uh, uh, sensors on, on tomato plants on a 200-acre in a 200 acre greenhouse. I'll link the, I'll link it in the show notes. And I asked him, how was he getting data back to the data center? He's doing all kind of cool wireless and 5g stuff. So uh, we'll save that conversation for another day, but I'd love for you two to chat. That'd be really interesting. Yeah, that'd be great. I, I did an interview on my uh, podcast with a guy who makes a electronic potato. It's about the size of a, of a big potato mm-hmm. full of sensors, water moisture bumping uh energy gets transferred so it can even predict whether or not you uh have bruises on your potatoes and they plant it with the potatoes in the spring and then it tells you whether or not you should water and when you should water and how often and it gets harvested and then it gets actually sent right like the potatoes on their entire trip and then they can tell uh well one huge cost savings on water but also about the potatoes themselves, how healthy they are, and all with this little electronic potato. Wow, it's bright yellow, a, so you can see it. Yeah, That is actually really, really cool. I, I, I'm going to have to uh, check out that content. Is that's, uh, These outside-the-box thinking uses for technology, specifically wireless, and this is why I, I wanted to have you on the podcast for a couple of reasons. One, you're having a really interesting take on conferences and uh two you're you're kind of an anti-pattern when it comes to content creation etc we've had a lot of great conversations in the tech field day channel and i wanted to bring some of that to light so first off let's let's talk a little let's talk a little wireless so what 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 elements of wireless do you cover? Uh, if it doesn't go on a wire. So, <laughs> so there's, there's a lot there. Uh, for wireless land professionals, we didn't call ourselves the Wi-Fi professionals because wireless is broader than Wi-Fi. It includes LoRaWAN, uh, a whole bunch of IoT pieces. Uh, and we, we normally, in the people that I deal with, normally keep, Cellular is the is the other guys. Once mm-hmm. you get onto a, a cellular company, but today we're working a whole lot in CBRS, which is cellular technology, but without the carrier involved. So it's also fits in the wireless category. And I think uh, Amazon kind of made it a little famous. Was it last year, or year before last, when they announced their 
uh, 5G service. So it's not, you know, it's not new to the industry. It might be new to AWS folks that this has been going on for quite some time. When we talked with the Nature Fresh folks, they're using 5G as a method for getting uh, data from the plants into the data center because this is far flung technologies. Wireless won't necessarily, Wi Fi won't necessarily carry the load. So we're starting to see a lot more use cases in wireless. So, from a community perspective, are we seeing these fiefdoms kind of merge where corporations are bringing in cellular experts on kind of with, on staff to manage? the the overall wireless capability or is it still kind of by usually we go the other different way. groups it, it's it's usually broken down on the lines of who is paid for the transport of the data mm -hmm. so a cellular company if they're getting paid to transport the data then it's their hardware their frequencies and you get a per kilobyte kind of charge one of the, the beauties of cbrs and private lte is it's running over corporate hardware, corporate switch fabric, and we're in charge of our own infrastructure. So specifically for, uh, well, I'll call them APs because the Wi-Fi people call them APs, but in cellular, they're called E-node Bs. The device that take, talks to the client is on, is hanging on the corporate Ethernet with corporate switches and corporate PBOE, and the cell company has nothing to do with it. So that's the big draw for having a private 5G or private 4G is you don't have to go to and pay any charges on traffic flows. And then you can control it however you like. The place where it gets a little messy is what they call neutral host, where you want to use your private 5G, 4G, LTE as a cell carrier so you can talk to other people. And it kind of falls apart at that point. No one's got a really clean answer for that. The technology can do a handoff from private 5G over to uh, AT&T, a cell carrier, but it's kind of messy and who pays at what point. So right now, most of the 5G projects I've seen are all private. They, they don't do the cell calls and you let the cell calls go on their own. Yeah, if you've been in IT for any time, you've managed PBX systems, you're kind of used to this how'd you know i started in pbx <laughs> you know what when with most wireless folks when you when you're talking you know carrier class stuff you 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 have a pretty good handle on pbx systems and even telco systems and how the telco folks stuff i i i cut some of my teeth in pbx world and doing handoffs between you know especially back in the the beginnings of IP telephony and, you know, we had to, you, you know, we, when we got as far as doing SIP lines straight from the telco, you need to you know, kind of have this DMARC. There's not that clean DMARC yet. It sounds like for the, cell, the cellular world, uh, especially, you know, when you get a number on a cell phone device, who, who manages that, that connectivity, that, that backhaul is really clean when I just want fell over. Hey, I have a fell over for my, have 5G fell over for my data center. It's really clean. The, mm -hmm. Very easy. you know, I might have an SDN device that fails over to a cellular connection and um, I'm built per piece is when I want to erase that D mark a little bit and, and have, you know, a device talk. And this is, strictly IP, you have a device talk straight IP from 
my uh, infrastructure straight to the traditional telco network without, you know, going through my having to have to go through my infrastructure. That gets I can see how that gets complex, but we'll save that for what we're talking about, which is your event. What's the name of your event? Oh, it's very generic and boring. We we just call it WLPC, but it stands for Wireless Land Professionals Conference. It's a conference for people who consider themselves a wireless land professional. And very simple. Why why I wanted to talk about this, we're thinking about putting on an event and I've talked to you quite a bit about the logistics of putting on an event, but you folks have this wild idea that conferences are there for the conference goers to learn. And I'm, I'm a little confused by that simple statement. Like, oh, the reason why you go to conferences is to meet with your peers and learn stuff. That seems like the core principle of the conference. Right. It is, and you, and you should. The, the different, actually, since you're a Tech Field Day delegate, you'd understand this. I remember the first time I was at uh, one of Stephen Foskett's Tech Field Days as a delegate. And, well, actually, before I was a delegate, I watched a couple, and I was so jealous of the guys. They get to go to the room, and they get to hang out together with other people who, they, who have the same feelings they do, and they get to talk a really in-depth about the technology. And then I got to try it myself, and I loved the experience. It was fantastic. But the business model that Stephen uses in Tech Field Day is the vendors pay for the opportunity to talk to influencers. And it's a fantastic model. It's worked for well over a decade. And I love it. But I was thinking, how do I make that same experience for lots of people who are my peers? And the answer was, if you do it with vendors, the vendors, you know, a lot of times you go to a conference and the vendors pay for everything. There's a vendor-sponsored breakfast, and there's a vendor-sponsored speaker, and a vendors are either a gold, platinum, or silver sponsor, and money flows that way, and then they get a booth, and they and you feel like you're the, the target, kind of the, the old Gmail thing. If you didn't pay for it, you are the customer, you are the product. Right. And so you go to a conference, and everyone's trying to scan your badge. Like, I just want to talk. No, let me scan your badge, because you're there to be a lead. So I flipped it on its head and just said, what if we had a conference that was just for people in our industry to stay with other people in our industry and talk? And so we said, well, we can't have it paid for by vendors because vendors want leads and they won't come and play. So we, the first one we did totally without any vendors at all and just said, there's no vendors can't do a thing. And thus that's to be paid for by the attendees, but they get that really robust experience. Uh, so every year we've added a couple more things. We did allow vendors back in, uh, but only for evening events. So after the conference is over in the evening, a vendor can, since we bought the entire hotel, we let a vendor use one of the rooms we've already paid for and we don't charge the vendors anything. They can Mm. come and do whatever they want. They might, and most do go to the hotel catering and get food and beverages to entice the attendees to come to their session. And so, or they have to give something away because the, the attendees don't come to their session unless there's a legitimate reason. And there's lots of fun activities all night long. So if a vendor wants to bring people there, he's got to do something to, to get them to come. So we do let vendors play in the evening and we've had some great vendor events as well. Um, so it's kind of a backwards conference. 
we start with sending out a call for presentations like most places, but we allow our own attendees to vote on sessions. So the, the conference presentations, when we do the call for presentations, we put a survey out and those that get the most votes get the most time. And so we only have three one hour sessions. We have four 30 minute sessions. We have about 20, 20 minute sessions and then probably 25, 10 minute sessions. I, I learned this 10 talk is what we call them from a conference I attended in the, in a whole different industry, in the church industry. And I loved it because they asked me to come in and give a, a, a talk for 10 minutes. And I was at first a little taken aback by like, wait, I should be your keynote. I should, <laughs> I can talk for an hour. I'm really right. good at this stuff. And then they said, no, we only have 10 minutes, but we want you to cover this. And it felt like a lot. But I found that you can cover a whole lot of information in just 10 minutes if you throw out all the fluff. You don't need to introduce yourself. You don't need to set the stage. You start with the conclusion first because you don't have time to build up to a conclusion. And it gets very efficient. The other good side of the 10 talks are if you're in the audience and you didn't want that topic, wait 10 minutes and it'll be a whole new topic. So you don't even have to leave. In our early years, we tried some things like uh, tracks. There's a track for the people in the in different industry segments. Or did you did you want to learn from a vendor? Then there's a vendor track. And did you want to learn about uh, I don't know design? Then there's a design track. And we split the audience into multiple rooms. And then we had them moving from room to room. And then we found out some sessions, even though we tried to balance them, one room would be full, the other room would be empty, and then people got all embarrassed. So we just instead went to shorter time slots and then pushed really hard to say, you know, somebody gets a 30-minute slot and they blow it. Next time, they're not going to get voted. So they got to work it out. Um, and we found, I think, 10 talks are the strongest piece because they force people to focus on the thing they're trying to deliver. The more time you give them, they start talking about other things. Or they, they, they break the cardinal rule, at least in my cardinal rule, is they start with the setting the stage. In the Wi-Fi industry, it was BYOD, just the term. You're going to bring your own device. And so some would start up and they might take 15 of their 30-minute time slot talking about what BYOD is and why it's so terrible. And I'm like, everyone in the audience is living the pain you're talking about. You don't need to, you don't need to set it up. It's already been preset. Just jump right in with your solution. Um, so we've done ooh, 15 of them now. 16th is starting uh, in about three weeks. So help me understand, how do I navigate this? So if I'm coming to it new and I'm a participant and they, you know, at the beginning of the conversation, we've wet the whistle on uh, doing private 5G or whatever the, and I want to learn more about that topic and going to a conference with a bunch of wireless LAN professionals. How do I navigate that? That That's the learning. That's one of the primary things that I want to do. Is there like a content catalog? Uh, you, you said you guys are not necessarily taking the track uh, option. How do I navigate wanting to have that outcome? Well, part of the, the benefit of having lots of shorter talks is we get to cover more topics. So this this next one that's coming in three weeks, we probably have uh, 25% of the talks are on 5G, but they're also intermixed with other talks on 
using a drone in your business or I mean, there's there's a lot of different topics that have to do with day-to-day work as a, as a wireless LAN professional. So uh, you just have, pay attention to those. One of, the, one of my pet peeves in a conference is people hanging out in the halls talking. Hmm. And so we make sure that, that either you're in the session listening and being focused. And because it's fast-paced and high energy, you don't, you're not getting bored. So... Yes, we still get some few people. I'm talking to you, Bender. Um, he's a guy who never comes to sessions. He stands in the hall the whole time. That that just come to hang out in the halls. But if you want to come and focus and learn, you just sit in the, in the main ballroom and you will get a boatload of information. Additionally, we did something X, extra. And every year we, we do surveys back to our the attendees who come and ask what we could do more. And many years ago, we came up with an idea of a deep dive. Not, we just call them deep dives, and people sometimes complain. They're like, "That wasn't deep. That was really shallow." But it's it's more about focus, and we have hands-on labs of something. Uh, the first one we built a little single board computer, and everyone built them, and they had they were headless, so there was no monitors for them. And we had a couple monitors in the front of the room. You'd have to get yours built, and then go to the front to even test to see if it worked. But people liked building and doing things. So now we have a variety of deep dives. Um, a couple of years ago, we started on a uh, little, we call them WM Pies. It's a Raspberry Pi that has special software to do testing for wireless folks. Um, and we started using those. And then we branched out to a bunch of different categories. We have 11 different deep dive topics uh, from actually flying a drone. And if you sign up for that one, you get the drone. If you mm. sign up for the class on a WM Pi, you get and build the WM Pi. You leave the class with the product. Uh, we have them on LoRaWAN, where you actually build a LoRaWAN setup and test it. Um, we have Wi-Fi security, where you build, you get a, um, a a little single board computer that's focused specifically on hacking, and then you use it to do hacking classes. So those are on day one and two afternoon for three hours. So basically, you get a six-hour class, all hands-on in using something, and you take it, you get to take it home with you for whatever the, the topic you chose. Um, so we, we, we try to have listen to what the audience wants and they wanted more of that. They also like being part of the community. So some, I mean, we have early morning yoga, there's running clubs that run during the time. There's a, an early morning prayer meeting that some people come and do prayers every day. We have Lego building contests at night. The There's a, a group that likes doing retro gaming. So they bring all the retro gaming. So we put them in a room and they, play old-fashioned games so it's it's kind of if you if you think back to the original tech field day why Stephen Foskett did it he made it like the field day when you're in school and you went out and got to play all day so we like that idea people just want to come and hang out together and play whatever their hobbies are so off hours it's just hobbies and there's also a whiskey and wireless podcast it gets a little I mean an hour of just drinking whiskey it gets a little wild sometimes. <laughs> so the last question is like, so the, there, there's this model. Everyone pays. So even if you're presenting, you still pay to attend the conference. You're just even speaking. CTOs of companies who come and want to present. They're just an attendee. And there's no vendor uh, like uh, sponsorship in the traditional model. The last couple of the questions are around like, okay, making sure I'm not the product. 
what type of information do you collect for registration? Uh, just enough to send them an invoice. Because one, we don't share their, their names mm -hmm. with anyone. So other than we send emails out, if you're signed up for the you know, XYZ deep dive, we have to order that, that many of that product. So we send you, make sure you're, you pick your deep dive and we make sure you're going to show up. Uh, we follow up with, we, we have on the, the day of registration, we get about 80% of the registration slots sold in the first hour. So people are waiting for it. So if you're a presenter, you get early access so you're guaranteed a slot. Uh, so we, we contact them that way. Other than that, we don't use the mailing list for anything. It's just to communicate about the conference. So every single vendor who ever comes asks and says, well, can we get the list? And no. Well, how are we supposed to get leads? Talk to people. Well, what mm -hmm. if we do one of those evening events? I said, well, you might, if you wanted to offer something really good that they want, and then they would, they would give you voluntarily their contact information but that has like nothing no to do with bad the conference scanning, There's no central repository. There's just nothing like that. You're, yeah. you, you'll get a badge with your name on it, but that's about it. There's no there's no QR code on the badge to scan. Right. Yep. Because we don't want you to feel like you are the target. Keith, I'm, I'm, uh, so for my audience, uh, I'm still in this idea. Keith has encouraged me to, to try this, and I am going to try this. And it's really scary to put on a conference and say that the conference is funded and profitable by the people who attend it. But again, Keith has been doing this. This is what you're, you say you're 15. How many of these have you put on? 16. 16. 16th show. And uh, he's continued to do it. So, I'm amazed by it. I, 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 kudos to you for trying something that seems kind of intuitive. Like people want to get together. They want to share information. They are willing to pay to learn to do things. And you put it out there and it's been extremely successful. How many people show up? Uh, 300, 325, something like that. Good number. Uh, we're shooting for 350 if we can hit it. Yeah, I mean, it's, the first one was really scary because I didn't know if this idea was going to float. And I had rented the hotel and paid for it out of my pocket. My wife did not know. I hope she doesn't watch this. <laughs> she had no clue of what, you know, I like. We would have lost a house if it didn't work. It was because wow. hotels are not fun to deal with. No. And luckily, even, even, you know, in December, I was someplace with my wife and she's like, why are you all nervous today? I'm like, it's registration day. She goes, they always sell out. I know, but if it doesn't, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's easy yeah, three quarters of a million dollars sitting in a hotel. And if no one comes, that's, I just have to eat it. So it's a, it's a little scary. On the other hand, it, it feels good when people actually come and enjoy themselves and, and want it bad enough that they sign up early. And there's a people, some of you even put on online a countdown timer to the minute that it, that registration goes live. Keith, I'm really proud to uh, have talked to you about this. It's a really exciting and different approach to, conferencing. I, I hope to see more of it. Uh, we really love the idea. We're trying to innovate uh, when it comes to even virtual conferences in the same way. And that, I think the last one that we put on was not sponsored by anyone. And it was a great time. It was just a great, I know you're not a fan of virtual conferences, especially when they're sponsored by. I, I, I did watch yours though. I was there. Yeah. yeah the, it's, it's, it's uh, when you offer value uh, without, uh, you know, kind of, uh, pimping people names. 
people come and it's uh it's 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 refreshing to see and then that, just another thing to add when we're done we have uh, prime image media the same team oh, who yeah. does our all friends tech, from tech day. yeah yeah so they do all our recordings and then we within they give us the recordings like the end of every day mm-hmm. and within about a week we shoot for quicker but that's a lot of process I mean, there's 90 something sessions uh within a week we have them all up on youtube for free so people who we, we we care about delivering content to the community some people can't come so we shouldn't punish them and sell them the content some conferences if you can't be there it's like well if you pay 500 dollars, you can get access to our videos and we just go hey go ahead you know we're, we'll the content's there for free and we're trying to just share the knowledge i always say in fact every intro it's the same thing knowledge is like manure if you <laughs> spread it around it helps everyone everything grow if you just try to hang on to it you stink that's a great way to end the podcast uh keith for those of you who want to find out more about wireless land professionals what's the website uh, wirelessprofessionals.com or just wlpc the wlpc if you're going to go just to the conference or wlandpros.com works too and if you want to find out more about the CTO Advisor, you can find us on the web, thectoadvisor.com. Talk to you next episode.